Hey, this is John Dawson of Patio Daddio Barbecue in Boise, Idaho, and I've got it locked on the 50,000 gigawatt blowtorch of the internet that is Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? He ate two feet before we nerfed. Oh, listen, Laverne, it's shit face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. And just like that, we're into the second hour. And I adjusted my camera shots on accident. We're back to normal. Welcome to the Barbecue Central Show second hour. If you've missed the first hour, don't worry. You can get a podcast in about an hour or so from now. Wednesdays, or Tuesday show will be up... The first hour of this show will be up Wednesday. The second hour on Thursday... And you have your best of show coming up as well. That'll be episode 102, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, we. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram. Same on Twitter, slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook. So be sure to check that out if you're not giving me a follow. And uh, please do so. I try and make my interactions on social media worthwhile. I'm not bombarding you with ads and uh, sponsored this or that. If I do a sponsored thing, of course, I'm going to obey all federal guidelines. I I think there are federal guidelines, actually, that tell you that if you're compensated or somebody has given you something for free, that that's like... The first thing that you have to mention before anything else. I don't know a lot of people that do that. Uh, Coming up on this edition of the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, the guy that was just on, Meathead, talked about, let's see, when was this? So this uh, was back in September of 2016. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. December of 2014, we had a in-depth discussion on perhaps many people's third or fourth favorite food, fried chicken. We discussed it all. Dredging and coating with the breading and uh, doing the pan fry versus the deep fry and what are the advantages of one versus the other. Of course, if you're any listener to this show, you know that Meathead has been a staunch supporter of pan fry or the oil doesn't cover the whole piece of chicken that you're frying, and that there is contact on the bottom of the pan. So, if you're interested, check that out. Coming up Friday, the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 20 minutes or less. Or as Guy the Cooking Sam says, 20 minutes of barbecue in 14 minutes. That's my favorite. Yeah, that's my fan. Episode 102. I want to keep this within the holiday season, but I have to tell you that as I was coasting through Costco Friday or Saturday or whenever it was, I think Saturday, I quickly realized that there are Two different kinds of shoppers. And this, while it happens to be during the holiday season, this has nothing to do with holiday. This is how you are made up as a human. And there are uh, two different kinds of shoppers. Uh, 
there is a good shopper, the right way to do it. That's shopper B. But there's also shopper A. And uh, if you're not familiar with shopper A, shopper A will wake up one day and decide that it's a great idea to go to the store. And you might be married or dating and some Hey, I'm going to go to the store. And your next question is, okay, for what? Shopper A says, I don't know. I'm just going to go to the store and shop around. And they get into the store and they find inspiration, I guess, by milling up and down the aisles. Whether it's the grocery store or the shoe store or the department store. and Eight times out of ten, after they have done whatever it is they've been doing for hours on end, they come back with nothing. And you say, did you go shopping? And they said, yeah, they didn't have anything. I don't understand what these people are doing. How can you possibly go to a store and not have a plan of attack? I'm telling you right now. That if breathing and heartbeats were not involuntary actions, if you had to choose to breathe and make your heartbeat in order to stay alive, Shopper A might choose against both of those. And they would cease to exist, and they would probably be okay with that. Because maybe it wasn't convenient for them. They don't dig that. They don't want to put that much effort into it. Shopper A. Maybe. Let's go and see what happens. Who needs a list? Then there's Shopper B. Shopper B is a productive member of society. They value time. They value efficiency. And to that end, they have a list that probably they're working on every week. It is somewhere accessible to everybody in the house as you are running out of things during the week before you go back to the store. That list is being filled out. If you are a ultra shopper bee like me and you go to the grocery store, you might have your particular favorite grocery store's aisles memorized in order so you can really efficiently fill out the list. And the minute you hit the parking lot, you are go time. Boom. You hit the door. You know, I'm getting... Bananas, I'm getting apples, I'm getting my vegetables. Now we're going over into the deli section. Here we go. Here's the bread aisle. Boom, 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 all the way through. And you are systematically picking off everything that is on your list. And it's almost a game. How quickly can I get out of the grocery store once I step foot in it? I have my list. I'm being ultra efficient. From time to time, you might be around an item. That jogs your memory that you wanted to try. It's not on the list. You have a short conversation with yourself on if it's going to make it into that shopping cart, but you are able to maintain efficiency and effectiveness. This is Shopper B. We value our time. We realize that once we were birthed, the clock and timer has started ticking backwards, and we cannot undo that clock. It's not going to stop. And while we're not afraid to die, We do realize that instead of meandering around the mall or the grocery store with no real rhyme or reason to be there, we don't know what we really need. We'll just throw a whole bunch of crap in the cart, and that's probably just going to get pushed to the back of the cabinets, never to be seen again and wasted. We, as shopper bees, value time. We would rather know that we can be efficient and get back to stuff that we want to do. That's Shopper B. What are you? Are you Shopper A? Somebody who doesn't value time? Somebody who doesn't value efficiency? Somebody who just likes to mill about because it's fun to shop? Can those words be used together? Fun and shop? Uh I don't think so. Or are you Shopper B? Somebody who is precise, effective, efficient, diligent, ready to go in and out. Let's do this. We are commanders. We are leaders of humans. 
to go into the store, get what we want, and then get out, and then get after life again. Shopper A, shopper B. And by the way, since I mentioned Costco, can somebody please tell me what the hell is going on in the food court over there? When I was a member at BJ's, it was so uninhabited, the food court, they uninstalled the entire food court. You go over to Costco, first of all, Costco is like Black Friday every freaking day. I've never seen anything like There's a line at 10 o'clock or 9 o'clock in the morning, whenever the hell it opens. And people are fighting to get in. Again, not Black Friday, it's just a Wednesday. And people are all over Costco, like everything's about ready to sell out. It's a wholesale club. They have shitloads of stuff with truckloads on the docks to replace the shitloads of stuff that you are going to buy. It is unbelievable. And they have a huge food court, and that place is packed. Like they're giving away free prime beef and Wagyu briskets. Last I checked, it's hot dogs and pizza. And aside from the really cool sauce dispensing spinner that goes on what looks to be a pretty average pizza crust, I can't begin to understand what is pulling people to the Costco food court in droves and people don't leave. It's a nightmare getting out of that store. But the beef selection is great and that's why I love it. But I don't understand the freaking food court over there. Jess Pryles coming up out of the break. I will talk to you about Big Papa Smokers because you love Big Papa Smokers. You know what he's got, right? Rubs, yes. 13 perfectly balanced rubs. He's got injections too, yes. He partners with Steph Franklin over at Simply Marvelous, so you can buy his rubs and Sterling's rubs. That's the West Coast offense. You can make it however you want. He also owns Granny's Barbecue Sauce, so if you're tired of the same old run-of-the-mill barbecue sauce, you can go ahead and check out Granny's. Great flavor profile, by the way. And, of course... If you're looking to buy grills and smokers, they have a huge selection. They actually have a drum kit, so if you have the drum and a bunch of other stuff, if you just need the kit to make it an actual cooker, Big Papa's has one of those. Now, if you're looking for a great pellet cooker, Mac Two-Star General Pellet Grill is the one you want to check it out. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive online Mac dealer. You can't get it anywhere else. If you're not a fan of pellet smokers, the Old Hickory ASBP might beat up your alley. It's the only competition trailer Uh, It's the only charcoal cooker that Big Papa has on his competition trailer. If you're not sure of what grill you need, you will call them at 877-828-0727 and consult. You can also shop their online inventory at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Another longtime sponsor of this show. Big things happening over at Big Papa's, by the way. No names, please. Just teasing you, tickling you with a feather. Jess Pryles coming up out of the break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. You're looking to be on the committed cooks team in 2020? Get on over to smokingwithsmithfield.com right now and check out how you can apply. Pay your small fee and get a whole bunch of Smithfield swag sent your way. Again, that website is smokingwithsmithfield.com. By the way, Smithfield will be back with the show in 2020. Didn't know if that was actually going to happen or not. There's a lot of uh, different things and changes going on as far as pork and purveyors and Smithfield is concerned, but very happy that they are on deck 
for 2020 or will be continuing here in uh, in 2020. Let me see. Oh, okay. And, of course, my favorite program ever on the face of the earth is deciding not to work right now. So We will have to quit Skype, and we will relaunch Skype. I don't see a lot of uh, shopper A's, by the way. Oh, is Committed Cooks sold out? Hmm. Now, hold on. Let me uh, punch up my contacts here. Here we go. Let's blow that out. Right, here we go. All right, joining me now, joining me now is a successful author, blogger, brand ambassador, appears on TV, of course, the founder of Hardcore Carnivore Brand. Let's race to the hotline and welcome back Jess Priles to the show. Hey, Jess. Hey, hiya. I'm doing very well. Thanks for joining me. Um, you you know, lots to get to here this evening. First of all, I was burning up a storm right before you came on. Are you Shopper A or Shopper B? In terms of? Well, Shopper A just, uh, you know, goes to the store to shop around, and there's no list, there's no rhyme nor reason, and it's fun to shop. Uh, shopper B uh, values life and time in general and efficiency. They make a list and they are in and out of the store and uh, rarely okay. do they deviate. I'm shopper A for clothes, but that's, I don't shop for clothes that much, but I am like hardcore shopper B when it comes to grocery shopping. All right. Yeah. Now, are you as hardcore as I am on shopper B by memorizing the layout of the grocery store to be most efficient? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, good. 100%. Yeah. And you know my my local grocery store changed their aisles a couple of years ago, and I've never forgiven them. Yeah, that took a while. I had uh, the same thing. Our Giant Eagle here. Uh, it was about three years ago. They did a whole revamp so all the stores could look alike, and they really screwed with Not about cool, six man. or seven aisles. And yeah, it took a little while to, to get over that. All right, uh, so it's been a little while since Jess has been back here on the show. JessPriles.com is the website. You can follow her on the Twitter and Instagram, all the social media haunts, of course. Um, trying to figure out like where we should be starting. The thing that really seems to be jumping out at me, and I've seen it here and there. I see it with you. I've seen it with a guy by the name of Tim McKeska, and it's this thing called beef tallow. And <laughs> it, when I see, so I don't. It's not on the top of my mind. I don't see it like in the store or my buddy James using it or anything like that. But when I see it on your page or you know somewhere else on a on a food uh, site, like man, yes, it looks pretty cool. Looks like it would taste really good. Have no idea how to get from point A to point B, but obviously you do. So I want to pick your brain about beef tallow. Yeah. And, you know, so beef tallow is basically the beef version of lard. So pork fat becomes lard and beef fat becomes tallow. And the difference is that lard always stays soft, but tallow can get quite hard, which is why they used to make candles out of it. Mm. Um, really, just like, you know, a lot of people still keep a, a a vat of bacon grease next to their stove. Um, we do it now because it tastes good. Historically, we did it because you didn't waste anything. And instead of pouring a little extra virgin olive oil in your pan, <laughs> we weren't really importing that from Italy back in the day. You would just use a little teaspoon of animal fat to start your cooking off. Mm. Um, beef fat is, uh, it, it, it's, it's a little bit different to pork fat. Um, for example, pork fat you can use in baking because it's soft. You can use it in pastries and biscuits. But beef fat's phenomenal for frying. So back in the day, McDonald's and places like that used to actually fry their French fries in it, which is sort of like the French fries of our childhood and mm. why they don't taste quite the same today. And All when right. you find like a, a good greasy spoon that's still frying in tallow, you're like, oh, these taste amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's the variable. Um, but it's really easy to make. Especially if you're trimming briskets at home, you probably got a lot of leftover fat, and it's just a matter of very, very, very slowly rendering down that fat um, to melting point, uh, pouring it through a sieve to get any impurities out, and it'll last for months and months and months in your refrigerator. And is it only like a a couple step process? You don't have to like do it once and then put it back in and then do it again to like the more you. Do, it's not like a triple distill vodka or something along those lines. I mean, it can be, you know, if you wanted to, like the difference being, of course, like 
you can make it take as long as eight hours to get lily white tallow out of it, or you can kind of cheat it and do it in three hours. And maybe it, it does a little hotter and it has a little bit more of a yellowish color to it at the end. But, um, it, it's basically just a matter of putting it in a pot on the stove and mm. letting it go. All right. And, um, it, and it's good for a long time. It's good. It's good for a, a really long time. Yeah. Do you make different tallows? For instance, you uh, reference brisket trimmings, but let's say you had a, 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 well, I mean, in your case, you probably do. You have a lot of dry-aged beef hanging around in your dry-aged beef machine. Can you mm -hmm. make dry-aged <laughs> beef tallow and brisket tallow and New York strip tallow? I mean, I'm getting a little facetious at this point, but I mean, can you have different flavor profiles of tallow and uses? Well, you're actually not being that facetious because there's a measurement for fat, which is the titer. And brisket fat is a very different complex makeup to any other fat on the carcass, which is why it, it's so soft and melty. And it's actually not technically considered to make tallow. But for everyone who's watching, yes, you can use it to make tallow. You can use any beef fat to make tallow. If you're using dry-aged beef tallow, dry-aged fat, you're making dry-aged tallow mm. because it's going to have that flavor carry on on it. But also because you're getting it to that temperature of above 160, you're going to have killed any bacteria which may have been on there from being on the surface from dry aging too. Um, the other fun thing you can make, which is also on my website, is you can use tallow to make body butter because it's actually got a very similar makeup to the sebum in our skin. So uh, if you're looking for a great kind of carnivore-friendly DIY gift, you can make these like jars of body butter pretty easily at home. And you put it on your body? Yeah, it's like moisturizer. Uh, not to ask a stupid question here, but are you going to have uh, a little bit of a beefy scent to you when you put that on, or does that go away? No, it goes away, and you can add essential oils into. Oh. I bet this isn't the conversation you thought you were going to have at the beginning. No, of the but show I mean, so. Uh, but you see coconut oil, and uh, <laughs> I forget where like the baking section of my giant eagle is. So that's like the same section where I get my ghee butter for my uh, keto coffee, and then right next to it is this coconut oil. But you read the uses of it, and then inevitably it says, "Oh, by the way, in a pinch, rub it on your skin if you're out of moisturize." So mm -hmm. I mean, it makes sense i just didn't know like it's actually even better than that because it's so much more similar to the makeup of our skin so mm -hmm. it goes in it it absorbs without feeling greasy is Come there back. is there a specific use that you think beef tallow is best for meathead referenced uh if you have a young steak you could take some dry aged beef fat and paint the the young steak to give it a little bit more character of flavor do you buy into that at all or, or best uses I mean, I think that that's, you know, that has as much merit as using different oils to cook with that, that olive oil will have a different flavor profile to, uh, walnut oil, which will have more flavor again than like a neutral vegetable oil. So certainly using a beef fat, um, is going to add another layer of flavor in. I don't mm. know if it's going to, you know, really do much more than lipstick on a pig in terms of improving a super young steak. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that it really comes to its own when you're talking about frying. So I did ribeye, the uh, chicharron de ribeye, which they serve in Mexico. It's literally chunks of ribeye cut up and deep fried until it's incredibly crispy on the outside and still kind of tender in the middle. Um, it's just as good as it sounds. But using fries, I start my roast potatoes with it too. So I get a couple of generous teaspoons in the, in the roasting pan into the oven, nice and hot. Dump your parboiled potatoes in so they're sizzling and you get that that they're like little sponges for that hot beef fat. So I think, uh, you know, it's one thing to try and make beef fat make meat taste better. It's another magical thing when you get beef fat to make vegetables taste better. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Just Pryles joining me here on the show, JustPryles.com, or website, HardcoreCarnivore.com, or website if you want to check out her products and grab some items here. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, let's talk about uh, prime rib here um, and really dig into it because this is i don't think it's like turkey you know uh probably eat more prime rib over the course of the year than people eat turkey turkey seems to be relegated to only this time of the year uh, at one point last month some people will double up and eat it again at christmas or whatever holiday you're celebrating over this portion of the year but prime rib and christmas seem to be a little bit more hand in hand like thanksgiving and turkey so 
Uh, it's way more expensive than Turkey, um, even if you're really? buying an heirloom. By the way, let me back out totally and do a left-hand turn. Are you familiar with uh, heirloom turkeys? And Do you eat those? Um, I mean, I, you know, Australia doesn't have Thanksgiving, so we really, you know, don't do that. And honestly, as someone who's on the side of the fence that I'm on, I'm required to cook my turkeys about a month or two before Thanksgiving to get everyone ready for their recipes. Because, <laughs> like, that's when people are like, put the recipe up, do your pictures. Right. So by the time it gets to Thanksgiving, I'm like, peace, I'm having Chinese food. Mm, nice. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm familiar. I mean, it's like any heirloom breed, you know, whether it be uh, cattle or pigs or, um, uh, you know, turkeys for that matter. So I haven't cooked with them yet, mm. but. I can imagine. All right. So uh, turkeys, by and large, way less expensive than the prime rib. So we don't want to screw that up. So what are your keys to success on prime rib? And uh, are you a person that would like to go big and do the whole seven bone? Or are you more of a whatever your size party is going to be? Let's kind of trim it down and be a frugal, but make sure that we also have enough for everybody to eat. So the thing is this, in my opinion, the, the leaving the bone in is basically just like, it's a pure showmanship at that point. So if you want to, if you want a seven bone in terms of like the grandeur of the bone and you want it to the point where the bones are tomahawk length and they're there, it's this whole thing when you bring it to the table, so be it. Bones on meat don't change the flavor of the meat unless you're braising it. So unless that bone is immersed in liquid and you're actively boiling marrow and other uh, minerals out of the bone, um, it doesn't change the flavor. What it does do when in meat cookery is it protects the meat during cooking. So for example, if you had a New York strip that was bone in and one side has the protective bone and one side has the protective fat, you're doing yourself a favor. However, if you have a foolproof way to cook it, which we would do for, for prime rib with reverse sear, mm -hmm. it's not necessary. Um, so you can, I mean, I recommend it. I'm going to be posting a video in the next couple of days on my Instagram. Actually, uh, I just did a boneless rib roll and you can buy the whole one and just size it down to how many people that you're going to be, um, cooking for. So maybe a half, um, is going to do it too. Obviously it just has to be a minimum size to get a good result for the cooking, but you basically want to do the reverse sear. And to be clear, the reverse sear is not using any specific piece of equipment. It's just the idea of using a low cooking temperature and then resting the meat and then applying a high heat to sear it. So that could be sous vide and then cast iron sear, indirect grilling and then direct grilling. It could be the oven and then a cast iron sear, it could be smoking and then, you know, the hot grilling, whatever it is, it's the point that it's low and then high. Honestly, um, you know, it's sort of shameless, but it's true. The real secret is uh, my hardcore carnivore black rub, which is that rub that has the activated charcoal in it. Um, because particularly a lot of folks this time of year, you know, I know it's barbecue central. Some people do it in their ovens. Um, some people do it in a smoker, no matter which you're doing it in to maximize the bark on an item that's not really going to be in there for very long. It mm. probably is only going to take two to four hours max. You're going to want that head start on the color. Um, and in fact, if you're super duper extra lazy or you had too many beers, it also saves your butt because you don't actually have to sear it. It'll already look seared before mm. it comes out. Uh, do you, is there a certain, is it just like a salty flavor profile that the, the hardcore black has to it? Yeah, it's really simple. My whole ethos with the rubs is that we're all here for the meat and I want to taste meat. I don't want to taste sugar. I don't want to taste overbearing spices. And the black was the first one in the line. Very simple, traditional garlic, onion, um, some lights. You probably wouldn't even taste it. Sort of earthy chilies in there coarse black pepper hallmark of texas cooking mm -hmm. just to enhance the flavor of the meat to really truly be a seasoning um not a flavor additive if that makes sense so that, uh, it works really well with beef in regards to the rib roll you can just call up a butcher and say rib roll and they'll know that no bones are supposed to be in that or do you need to clarify or it just depends where you're at in the country yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a book that you can, that I've shown before that a lot of people got excited about, but the reality is that it, it is very industry heavy. It's the NAMI meat guide. Um, not all the butchers are even aware of it. Honestly, the best thing to do is just to outwardly say, uh, that you want a boneless ribeye roll. 
Um, and it also is quite confusing for people because the name prime rib, you know, you can get a select grade prime rib. Mm -hmm. So prime rib doesn't necessarily mean that the, the beef is prime grade. It just refers to any part of that ribeye roll. And it's not even a specific section. So kind of drives the industry nuts because it's one of those, uh, like Kleenex, you know? Yeah, no doubt like, about it. What exactly is a Kleenex? Yeah, Kleenex just happens to be the name that everybody associates with that. And now you have prime rib, but it's not prime grade, blah, blah, blah. I get it. Um, mm -hmm. So when you are, uh, are you just going to tell people to cook it to whatever temperature they want? Or do you believe that, you know, really it's best at a medium rare, maybe a medium rare plus, and then anything above that, you're kind of taking your life in your own hands? I, I mean, it's America. You have the liberty to cook your steak how you goddamn watch steak, okay? Yep. Right. <laughs> but I prefer it. I used to order it rare, and to be honest with you, I much prefer it um, a proper medium rare these days. Um, there's something about that gumminess that just gets cooked out a little bit, so you can still get a nice beefy flavor, and the texture improves a little bit. But you can get them you know, pretty reasonably well all the way up to medium, too. I definitely think that there's no point reverse searing if you do like it well done. Um, because the point of reverse sear is to try to get as much pink coast to coast. And if you like your steak well done, you're going for gray the whole way through. So you may as well just cook it hot and fast. Yep. Um, so will you be doing prime rib for, for Christmas then? Uh, I would, except I'm going to be in Mexico oh. or somewhere like that. I don't know. Oh. It's that thing again. Like I've already cooked my prime rib too. <laughs> I, I you're you're like a month or six weeks in advance of whatever the real holiday is. And right? then I take yeah. a holiday on the holiday. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, all right. We're talking with Jess Priles. Uh, you can find her at jessprials.com and hardcorecarnivore.com. Um, while we're talking about holidays, let's talk about, uh, some quick gift suggestions. Obviously, uh, the destination hardcore carnivore or someplace that people would want to check out. Um, are, is there anything new from a product standpoint that people would want to be on the lookout for or things that you're suggesting as people ask? Yeah, for sure. We have some new high heat gloves, which I know, you know, the, the concept of high heat gloves exists, but they're super cool because they say hardcore carnivore across the knuckles and that's pretty cool. Um, but we do have a new item that's going to be coming in the next couple of weeks. And this is a, for sure, a, uh, uh, a barbecue uh, show, central show exclusive, which is it's a pitmaster logbook. Are you going to play the exclusive button? Do you yes. have one of those? A barbecue central show <laughs> exclusive news update. Greg Rempe from the breaking news deck here in Cleveland, Ohio, <laughs> heading out to Austin, Texas for this late breaking news story. In breaking news tonight, Greg, <laughs> Hardcore Carnivore releases their new Pitmaster logbook. I'm actually super excited about this. Nice. Well, this is great. I so, mean, this is like one thing that everybody talks about uh, in class or when you're just getting into it is track the shit that you're doing. Yeah, well, so even cooler than that, one, uh, I worked with my great graphic designer, Brady Clark, down here to be really thoughtful about the spaces that we have available. So like, Everything from where did you get your protein from to what's the weather to what are the variables. Um, and every second page is just lines. So you've got the stuff that you want to write in and the blank stuff. But the really, really, really cool part is that it's actually printed on stone paper, which is paper that's made from stone. Um, but it feels like regular paper and it's blood proof and grease proof. So basically this baby is going to last generation. Wow, so as you go through all of the incredible intense effort to do these cooks and record them, um, you're going to have this incredible journal of information uh, that's going to last. This is like something your grandma wished she would have had when she was doing the recipe book. Then she had 100%. stone paper. Like, where the hell do you even find stone paper? How does that happen? I can't tell you that. I can't tell you. Oh, trade secret, huh? Wow. <laughs> I, are you the first person that's done this? Like, I've never heard of it before in my life. There are stone paper journals. I'm the first person to my knowledge um but pretty sure to apply it to a barbecue hmm. or uh chef's cookbook uh, uh -huh. logbook. all right so and yeah. this is out now or it's coming out no shortly? it's coming it's coming it's it's literally on the ocean right now and, oh. and we'll have it out as soon as possible so uh, you know it would have been great to have it for christmas but if not it i honestly just do believe it's one of those evergreen products that'll be a beautiful addition to anyone who's serious about barbecuing yeah no doubt about it um jess can i hold you over for one more segment yeah all right stand by and we will 
come back and talk with more Just Prials here in just one second. I'll talk to you quickly about my friends over at the Barbecue Guru, longest-running sponsor of the show. And if you have a ceramic cooker or bullet-style cooker or a kettle-style cooker or even an offset, you don't want to be messing around with logs. You should probably get rid of the offset. But anyway, if you want to use something that can help you keep temperature, Barbecue Guru is something you want to take a look at. They are the creators of this technology. So... You can put it on your intake at the ceramic cooker or on the dampers of, let's say, your Weber Smoky Mountain. And there's a little thing that goes into the cooking chamber that will monitor the temperature of the cooking chamber. And then the little fan at the bottom will pulse the fire. You set that temperature right where you want it. It'll keep it running all the way through. You just got to make sure you don't run out of fuel. And you have a bunch of different models to choose from now. So depending on what your level of tech is. If you want the top of the line, CyberQ Wi-Fi is going to allow you to check everything. You can make adjustments in temperature, see what your internal meat temperatures are, all that good stuff. Also, if you're in the market for a ceramic cooker, Barbecue Guru also makes the Monolith. That is a ceramic cooker, and it has a built-in power draft fan. So if you already have a Guru controller, that's all you need. You can wire the controller right to the fan on the Monolith, and you're rocking and rolling. All the products can be found at their website, bbqguru.com. That's bbq. Guru.com, or if you have any questions, you can call them 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. We are back with more Just Prials right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content. In an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. We are being joined by Just Priles from JustPriles.com and HardcoreCarnivore.com. Follow her on the social medias. I mean, pretty much everybody does already if you're part of this live fire. How many like uh, social media follower stuff do you have right now? Do you have any idea? Uh, Thousands? Not really. Tens of you're, are you, are you, say, are you Are you down on the socials? I'm down on the socials. I hate them now. A year ago, I, I was them. a year ago, I was trying to figure out how can we blast this ship off into space and now I'm like, can we crash this mother effer right down to the ground and just <laughs> walk away and be done? I don't know. I, yeah, it changed so fast. It, it, it definitely goes in, in waves. I, you know what the big difference for me is I'm not trying to chase. Um, I'm not trying to play the game. I'm not trying to post what I think it wants me to post anymore. And we've spoken about this before. Yep. I'm just putting my stuff out there as kind of a, a, a portfolio of who I really am and, and who the product really is. And if you follow along, then great. Cause I'm not about to spend my time trying to just, you know, chase the dragon as it were. Yeah, let's talk about this beef subscription box. Ooh. And I've uh, you know, I've seen one in particular and I don't maybe I just I'm not looking for them, but I guess there appear to be, you know, more and more rolling out and there was a specific, I don't know if it was an Instagram story or something that I saw of yours and you were a, a little uh, you, you were taking Man. an issue with uh, things that were happening and uh, you know i view it more as you know some people come across and be like oh you know she's just burning on something and blah 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 it's just a stick but i i see this more of a, you being the advocate for the consumer especially one that might see a big name associated with this box and and for the one specifically there are quite a few big names tied to it and right. so you know i see it as you saying hey you know uh, let's wade through the heat here and this is what i'm really trying to tell you is you know you better beware and there's some things you need to know about these services so you're an educated consumer do what you want like you said it's america spend your money freely but make sure you know what you're getting into and don't just buy into the hype because uh, such and such is names attached to it yeah and i mean i mean that whether it's an influencer or just straight out a celebrity endorsement, that's what they get paid to do, right? Try and, and make you want to buy that product. Yeah. I think for me, the thing is that I have the ability and I, and yes, I, you know, I am an educated consumer, like you said, but I think that the role that I play in the industry is, uh, someone who is much, much, much more clued in on 
the beef side of things, be it production, um, actual processing, and and to some degree without actually having a degree, um, the meat science of it. So, to I can it, I can decipher things that I sit there and go. <laughs> You know, like you throw your hands up all like, come on, really? So I'll tell you, here. here's a good analogy, and then I'll tell you about some of the stuff I've seen. There is a smoker company for a while that, and, and I think most of your audience would get this, The mark, what they were marketing their, their cookers as was competition grade, right? That doesn't mean anything because you can roll up to a competition and win on a modified oil drum. Right. You know what I'm saying? There's, yep. there's no one that that looks after that. There's no one that, 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 uh, sanctions it to be competition grade, but that's what they came up with. So when the person who doesn't really know what they're doing is walking into their average barbecue shop and went, Oh, well that better be good. Cause it's competition grade. Right. Right. So the, the, the existence of barbecue of beef subscription boxes is great because it allows for smaller holder ranchers that know that they have great product to get a, a, a higher price for their product by skipping the middleman and going directly to the consumer, right? The problem with that is that a lot of these box subscriptions aren't graded because signing up for USDA grading is expensive. Yep. And so you're taking their word for it that they're only going to put really good beef in there. Because some ranchers, as as much as they love their cattle and as much as they want to be great ranchers, maybe they don't have the genetics there, maybe they don't have the money behind it, aren't producing good beef. So you're talking about a system that's basically an honor system, right? Where the consumer doesn't really know better because now that grade that's guaranteed by the USDA, who's a third party, has been taken out. And you have to take the word that they're going to send you good beef. For the most part, they do, because if they send you bad beef, you're never going to buy another box, right, right? right? But it's still a little bit unknown. The thing that I really dislike about it is I'm here for all beef. And that means the big guys and the little guys. And I really dislike when the industry turns upon itself in order to sell more beef. And some of the little guys are using scare tactics like know where your meat comes from. Um, which was a big part of it as well. Um, and for me, uh, you know, there's traceability throughout, um, you know, particularly in countries like Australia, you can actually trace it all the way back to the ranch. In the U.S., you can trace it all the way back to the processing plant. And before that, it actually doesn't make a difference in terms of the health and well-being of the piece of meat that you have mm. to know any more information than that. So... Some of these boxes, and particularly the the one that you saw, I just found it fascinating because the people who they've gotten to speak on their behalf uh, are coming at it from the perspective of know where it comes from. It's this is grass fed. It's better for you. Well, the the inference is better for you, and that it's sustainable, and that basically this stuff is better quality. Which I know where they're getting it from, and it is very good quality, um, but. Um, that basically somehow you're, you're doing the right thing, um, by that, that it is nearly there. They don't say it, but there's an inference that it's that locavore thing too, you know, shop local, eat local, keep it sustainable. Sustainability is a big thing. Now what they do tell you, because it's completely available on their website, but you absolutely have to dig for it because it's nowhere on the front page is that every single beef piece of beef they sell is from Australia. Hmm. Because Australia has far superior grass-finished beef than the U.S. does in much more widely available quantities. Just because of the so, landscape of Australia? Right, because okay. of the, the feed that we have. Right. Um, it's like, you know, America grows corn better. Australia grows grass-fed beef better. Other people grow tomatoes better. It's just, just how it is. All right. It's horticulture. So, and we have really good genetics down there, too. So, um uh, the problem is you've got a lot of people. So the question I asked on my social media was, would you be surprised if you knew that one of the biggest subscription boxes who talks about sustainability, uh, imports all their meat from Australia. And I'm, I don't, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just like, 
what do you think as a consumer? And everyone threw their hands up and was like, what? That's abhorrent. How can it not be American beef and blah, blah, blah. And I just think that, that there's also a lot of people out there that don't realize that um, it's not coming from, you know, within their state, let alone within their country. Um, and it would serve them well to kind of scratch beneath the surface. I had another email. I get emails all the time from people trying to start these boxes. So you might know one or two of the bigger ones, but I get contacted all the time because they're like, we want to send you one. We want to send you one, which is kind of why I want to do this big write up. And these people wrote on their website um, that grass fed beef never grades above choice or never grades above select or something like that. Mm. And, I kind of wrote back to them and said, Hey, would love to know your thoughts on this. And, you know, and also they tried to use, they, they talked about basically certified Angus beef that, you know, but they used a different name that the industry calls it. And I'm like, Hey, I can actually read what this says. What do you think about this? What do you think about this? And then I got this really long email back, like, okay, you know what you're talking about. Let's stop here. So basically they said, and I'm sure they have a great product too, but they said, well, that's just our opinion on grass-fed beef. And if we put it on our website like that, it's just our opinion. And I said, but you're, you're putting it up there like marketing material saying that this is how it is. And I know for a fact that you can get grass-fed beef that marbles prime. Because mm. I've seen it and I've eaten it. So without bogging down too much in specific details, I think the thing that frustrates me is there's a lot of scaremongering of this is how it should be and a lot of facts flying around that are erroneous. There's a lot of um, buried details in this big quest to give you the best and the freshest and, and know where it comes from. Uh, and I'm here to say that if you find a butcher, a, a box or a, a beef box that you really enjoy, um, that's awesome because you're still eating meat and that's great for the industry. Um, but I don't necessarily think that it's better than some of the better grocery stores out there uh, and what they carry. So should if you're a subscriber to beef boxes, and I haven't gone to any websites to really like look through the whole thing, should you be under the impression that beef box number one that you get uh, is going to be one thing and then beef box number two might have a completely different uh, beef purveyor? So if it's Australian beef this time, it might be somebody else. Do you, and should you be made aware of that or are you just signing up for whatever? You're basically just signing up for the beef and wherever they're picking it from, You know, we hope you like it. It, well, it depends. So some of the, so it depends what they want to do. So one of these ones, the one that's getting it from Australia, they want to offer their consumers high quality grass finished product. Mm -hmm. So all their stuff is going to come from Australia. Yeah. There are other ones who want to source from a whole lot of different farms. So you'll get different stuff every time. There's an, there are other ones that are more like a, like, nearly like a veggie co-op box, right? Where you'll get different cuts every time and you can't even select your cuts. Mm. So it really just depends and you can find something that works for you. Um, but I guess just, you know, don't fall, don't fall for the hype. That's all. If you like it and it's great price and it's great flavor and it fits your needs, that's, awesome but just know that you know there's other stuff out there too and it's not necessarily at the expense of the marketing uh story that you're being told and i think at this point if you're if you have any monicum of internet expertise you can find a lot of great meat purveyors uh some are here locally some are offshore and they Whatever you like, you can find. You don't have to be relegated to signing up for a box. You can go to Snake River Farms' website. You can go to Pat Lafrida's website. You can go to uh, Hassle Cattle's website, uh, Strew Brand. I mean, the list goes on and on. At this point, in this day and age here in 20, at the end of 2019, which is rapidly coming to a close, Jess, I didn't know if you knew that or not, you can get any kind of freaking beef that you want finished almost any way you want. And you don't have to sign up for any type of subscription. And if you don't like it from this guy this time, you can buy it from a different ranch next time. And are you really saving that much money or are you are you saving any money if you're subscribing to a, a box or, or is it is it well, a ploy? I mean, there, you know, 
in argument for the boxer in support of the boxes. Yeah. Um, what you can't get from the big guys is these small hold ranches, like I said, that maybe hold a couple dozen head of cattle. They're slaughtering on a week, but they've got great genetics and they're caring about it, but they just can't pay for the USDA grade. And you can, in fact, end up kind of finding this diamond in the rough, sure. right? Sure. Just stumbling onto this great farm that has this great beef at a great price, and it's a really cool story. And that happens. Um, the other thing that I, I think is important to mention is and I know it's not possible for everyone because, you know, I go around the class doing grill uh, around the country doing grilling classes. And in some regional areas, you struggle a little bit more. But there is something to be said for fresh beef as well, which is not to say it hasn't been aged. But anything that you order online is going to come frozen. It's going to be have, have to be frozen to be shipped. Um, and it, it is actually a different cooking and eating experience. What? Pat Lafrida doesn't ship frozen. It's fresh. But how far does he ship? All over the country. I just don't understand how you can ship not frozen meat, is what I'm saying. Like, it has to go on dry ice at least, and by the time it gets to Texas, it's going to be semi-frozen. He's got this, uh, I don't even know what the hell you call it. Uh, I'm going to say ice pack, but not ice. Uh, I think he calls them gel packs. But his, mm -hmm. his separator is that no matter where you are, Obviously, you know, the mainstay of that business is through restaurant and all that other shit, but he's gotten into the end user, I'll call it, uh, portion of it pretty heavy over the last 18 to 24 months. But to separate from everybody else that ships frozen, to your point, his shit shows up fresh and it's in a big cooler and he's got these gel packs that keep it, I guess, you know, right under where the danger zone uh, temperatures would be. And it doesn't matter where you're at. I don't know what that looks like from a shipping cost to make sure it gets to you without getting unsafe, but mm. his, his meat, it shows up fresh. You can unpackage it, throw it right on the grill. You don't need to wait a day to thaw it or, or two days. So, um, you know, just a little, but he's the only one I know that does it. So everybody else has, has, has showed up frozen. So mm -hmm. yeah. what can I it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I would still probably stick a thermometer in it before I cook it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he and he says the way they package it, once you get it to your house, you know, it will stay in your refrigerator for, you know, three weeks or so before, wow. you know, he would get a little anxious about actually cooking and eating. So I thought that was a pretty long time for fresh showing up, especially, Definitely. you know, depending on when it actually gets to your house and then three weeks out after that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me ask you lastly and mm. uh, completely divergent off barbecue and grilling. Did you try the Popeye's chicken sandwich? Oh, I meant to eat it today. And what? I, didn't. I know. God I it. damn it. But I don't, I'm going to listen, listen, <laughs> listen to me very carefully. I can already tell you yeah. that I like it. Mm. I haven't tried it, but I like it. Wow. I, I, it's I, crazy Popeyes talk. Popeye's one of the most underrated fried chicken out there. Phenomenal. Is, is it underrated? I'll fight you. Yes, because there are people who automatically dismiss it like, oh, it's fast food. It's disgusting. But I'm telling you, Kenji Lopez Alt is the same from Series Eats. He yeah. thinks it's one of the best examples of fried chicken out there, and I agree. All right, so here's what I'm telling you. Uh, three weeks ago, I had mm -hmm. the most dramatic interview of my life in 12 <laughs> years of doing this show, and it was from a fellow Texan. Dan, well, not, technically, he's a, a fellow Buckeye, but also a transplant like yourself into Texas. Daniel Vaughn, uh, Daniel editor Vaughn. of uh, Texas Month. And we were talking about it. We had all this buildup, a lot of drama. And then I asked him to rate the chicken sandwich. And I this was the rating scale. Not in, in the scheme of fast food fried chicken, Kentucky fried chicken, Popeyes, uh, Chick-fil-A, you name it. I said, in the grand spectrum of everything you've ever eaten, one being the worst and 10 being the best thing. 10 being the best thing. He rated it a seven. And I said, Daniel, I have to question everything you've ever said in your life that you rate a Popeye's chicken sandwich a seven out of 10. So I have to ask you, do you think, and I'm asking you to speculate, even though you think it's going to be good, do you think it could be a seven out of 10? That yeah, seems magnificent. What? For sure. No, quick. Get your hand off that buzzer, dude. God. Seven I, out of ten. Absolutely. You've eaten in the absolutely. best restaurants in the world, and you're going to tell me that it could only be 
one or two or three points away from that? Yeah, but those those three points matter. Like you're getting you're dipping into the pointy end there, and they start to matter. But yes, they, it's it's what sort of satisfaction do you derive from it? You know what I'm saying? Like foie gras, right? I don't love foie gras that much. I'm sorry. I never had. I don't think it's that amazing. Hmm. Right. But, you know, there are people who would say it's a 10 just because it's foie gras, right? Yes. I mean, it's possible. Right. Wow. But from pure, if I take all of the, the pressure away of what people expect me to say about it versus the pure enjoyment of it, I can tell you that sandwich will be better. But But we can, perhaps we can agree on this. Let's Let. throw seven immediately out the window. Let's say that, it, honestly, it's probably not going to be any better than a four. But you can derive a great yeah. amount of joy out of it, but still realize that in the grand culinary world, it's a four. But it can bring you happiness and joy. Why is it a four? And maybe it's got texture, you've got crunch, you've got heat, you've got seasoning, you've got acidity from the pickles. Like, from all intents and purposes, that is a balanced culinary dish. Hmm. And uh, not to immediately jump sides and go pro Popeyes, people are literally killing people over. I mean, that's hard to... Nobody's killing people to go into Michelin star rated restaurants or anything like that. People are killing over Popeyes chicken sandwich. What can I tell you? All right, I've kept you too long. I apologize. You have uh, said it all. And you need to visit Jess's online presences at jessprials.com and, of course, buy everything at hardcorecarnivore.com that is currently listed. And then be on the lookout for Stone Paper Journal. We're very excited about this, right? The Pitmaster Logbook yeah, coming Pitmaster soon to Log. a hardcore carnivore near you. All right. Sounds great. And, uh, Jess, so have a great holiday. Appreciate the time. Thanks. And we'll do it again sooner than later. Absolutely. You too. All Y'all right. take care. Take care. There she is, Jess Priles, right there. By the way, John Solberg, uh, not Jump Shark. This is enter- This is high entertainment conversation right here. This is what the show is about. Differing opinions where I exert my will on the guest, no matter what the cost. Seven out of ten. Is the chicken sandwich still available? Because now I'm getting motivated. I know one of you guys knows if it is it still out. I do have CCW, so I'll, I will pack and go to uh, Popeye. All right, TNS Barbecue says that it is available. That's Just Priles, by the way. JustPriles.com, HardcoreCarnivore.com, and we wrap the show right after this. Stick around. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Wimpy. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by the Smoke Sheet weekly newsletter that is free and keeps you in the know on everything happening in the world of barbecue, including top news, events, recipes, and more. Started by Ryan Cooper and Sean Ludwig, and both of them are traveling around the country to find the best barbecue and then report on it. You can sign up for the newsletter to see full events on their barbecue calendar at bbqnewsletter.com. Actually, Ryan probably not doing uh, a lot of traveling. We continue to wish him a speedy recovery on his medical condition. You can uh, check out Ryan's Facebook page if you want more insight and in-depth analysis on that. Uh, But we will wish Ryan Cooper a speedy recovery and uh, hopefully back on the show to talk more about the live fire industry. All right, let's go ahead and wrap it up. All the way back in the first hour was Meathead, AmazingRibs.com, his website. Then, in the second hour, Jess Pryles, the hardcore carnivore, JustPriles.com, JustPriles.com, HardcoreCarnivore.com. And uh, be on the lookout for that new logbook. Paper, stone paper, stone paper. I'm going to Google that as soon as I get done with the show. That has got me incredibly intrigued. Uh, She also has no second guessing that 
a Popeye's chicken sandwich could easily rate 7 out of 10 as far as best foods ever. Interesting. Got to tell you, my review of a Popeye's chicken sandwich might be coming next week, and I'm not even kidding. Big show planned for you next week, September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, is your program host, Produce American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV, and this is BBQ Central.